I just want to begin this man camp by talking about what led to man camp 2022 for me personally. And besides that, most classes on preaching tell you that to, the key to connecting with a new audience is connecting with them. <laughs> so that's, that's why, uh, I also want you to know who's going to be blabbing at you for the next few days. So just want to say up front too, I'm a very biblical verse by verse preacher and that's going to happen, but I need you to bear with me while I tell you about what happened leading up to man camp 2022 for me. Uh, the first man camp I believe I ever came to was about six to seven months after I married my wife Christy and about another eight months before Christy's home church called me to be their pastor, <laughs> Woodland Friends Church. And that was February of 2013, which is ten years ago and hard for me to believe. And the first time I was going to speak at man camp, which was actually man camp 2021, and uh, fall to winter of 2020, Roy got a hold of me and he solidified it. And then in January of 2021, my wife Christy was diagnosed with breast cancer. And as you might imagine, just hearing the C word suddenly means your schedule needs cleared. <laughs> because we don't know what to expect. And so I called up Roy pretty quickly, uh, knowing that... Um, Man camp for me was uh, not going to happen. I needed to do some rearranging, and I had to decline at that point. Right after we discovered in mid-January that Christy had breast cancer, we also discovered we were pregnant, which made the cancer a bit more trickier than it already uh, was. Breast cancer patients can carry full term. Um, and in fact receive chemo, I believe, by their second trimester without harming their baby. Uh, most breast cancer patients have chemo first, though, and then surgery because they hope to shrink the tumor down as much as possible and therefore have less to remove from a woman's body. So in a matter of days, literally, my wife and I crisscrossed North Idaho and Eastern Washington going to appointments but I want to take you back to a, a moment I had mid-January in the car before the actual diagnosis of cancer. Thanks to COVID, my wife got to undergo both an ultrasound of her breasts and then a quick right then and there biopsy. As the imaging technician felt it was an immediate biopsy was necessary. And so I'm in the car and I'm praying like I've never prayed. And it's hard for me, I like to write my prayers down because if I'm just praying, it's usually a jumble of thoughts. And I heard God say something. And I'm not usually Pentecostal, charismatic, but I could have sworn I heard God say to me in all my prayers, and by say, I don't mean audibly, but a distinct, foreign, doubtless impression upon me. He gave me the name of a girl. Christy and I had two boys by this point, Calvin and Landon, but I heard a girl's name. Christy and I wouldn't be surprised at that point if we were pregnant. I took that to heart and I kept praying. We drove home from the hospital, a 70-mile drive or so. We live in Woodland and that's been well described as in the middle of nowhere up a hill. 
And uh, that was a Wednesday. I remember that immediate Saturday, there is a... Um, we still didn't know if it was cancer. We, we didn't know if we were pregnant. But I received a text message from a friend of mine at a church. He's a guy who sends verses to everyone, even to the pastor. <laughs> and he sends me Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Most of the time I text back just amen to him. In fact, I'll probably be doing that later tonight. He still texts me. But that day I told him, thanks, I really needed that. I don't think Christy and I had asked or told folks at the church yet, just a few close prayer companions. By the next week, I believe we were back at a hospital about to undergo undergo a full body MRI. We wanted to make sure that the cancer wasn't spreading. And the technician asks, is it possible you could be pregnant? Because we shouldn't do this if you could be pregnant. And we answer, yes, possibly. We took a blood test, found out we were pregnant. It was a silver lining, a light at the end of a dark tunnel. And the name I received was a baby girl's name, so I knew a baby girl was on the way. Then they tell us, we're going to do the scan. Well, there's no actual documented evidence that it harms your baby, but we still need to do the scan. It's that important. We need to know everything about your cancer. You're really young. It wasn't the scan. It was probably the stress. But within a few days after that, it was obvious that Christy and I had lost the baby. I had lots of feelings going through my head. I knew I shouldn't have believed like a Pentecostal, I told myself. Now this cancer was going to be a dark road again with no light at the end of the tunnel. And it felt like the doctors were actually taking a sigh of relief that my daughter was dead because they could manage Christie's cancer more easily. They went ahead with surgery since it was already scheduled. They felt like the quicker the tumor was out of the body, she was being high risk, only 33 at the time. That was in the first part of 2021. By June or July, we were nearing the end of her chemo. We got to have COVID on top of all that. That was exciting. And uh, I get a phone call from a woman in my church. She's also the janitor of the church, and her husband had been an elder of the church. He was an elder at that point. His tenure had already been up. And she tells me, I'm taking the three kids and I'm leaving him. We're running away. My church is 30 people, 40 people, so it's not like this can happen and nobody's going to know about it. He doesn't know. He's at work. I won't go into all the nitty-gritty details, but suffice it to say, that was a disaster. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm not talking about who's to blame. It's just divorce is never pretty, especially when you have to pastor both of them. Especially, again, in small churches where they've been very plugged in. That was... Summer of 2021 heading into fall. By October of 2021, I had already asked permission, even before the cancer diagnosis, to have a month's sabbatical. I had asked that in January, uh, probably the same time we thought we might have cancer. So we planned for a month's sabbatical, and I am a lousy planner. (laughs) 
I just took the month of October off, and wife and I, we went somewhere for like three days. I actually think we came to McCall. We know a friend here. And and uh, and then I, whenever I came back home, I just went to other local churches. That's just something that some pastors like to do. We're not thinking about leaving our church. It's just we begin to forge relationships with other pastors, and we'd like to see what their church is like. So I went that, and I just went there, and I came back from, from sabbatical, and then I began lying. I told people, yes, it was good, I'm refreshed. Sabbatical was great. <laughs> Not really lying, I think I was more trying to convince myself. But COVID and cancer and the miscarriage and the divorce, and then wrestling with my own sins, pastors are people too, we have sins, and I wasn't fine, I wasn't good, I wasn't refreshed. And Man Camp 2022 comes around, Christy was just on medication at this point. The boys we have will be boys. If you have boys, you know what I mean. Man camp is what a few of us guys from Woodland Friends do at the end of February. So I just came last year. We have four speakers. Roy finds me on on Saturday morning or afternoon, and he says, Hey, I'm preaching tonight. Can you introduce me? I kind of chuckle. Well, I know nobody knows you, Roy. I'll do my best to introduce you. Saturday night comes along, and I realize by the time I get to the service, I haven't even thought of anything to say outside of, you all know Roy, here's Roy, and I'll pray over him, and I'll sound like a good pastor. That was my efforts on preparation. Add a little humor to it, maybe that's what I do. And so we're singing that night, and I keep feeling drawn to my Bible. Pretty quickly, I don't remember if it was the words that we were singing, or if it was, there was another one of those, I'm not Pentecostal or charismatic, but the Holy Spirit seems to be speaking to me again. And I think it was the latter, and I'm, I'm drawn to the Valley of Dry Bones. And perhaps you've been noticing I'm really drawn to my notes. <laughs> I'm a manuscript preacher. I love manuscripts, and I didn't have any notes. I didn't even prepare the passage beforehand, and I'm vigorously, I think I even had to go on Google and Ezekiel Valley of Dry Bones. I didn't know what the chapter was. And I go there and I just start reading it. And uh, I, I get up and just feel drawn to read out of Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'd like to read it again after this long introduction, if I can. I'd like to invite you to stand if you're able to hear the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive. And you will know that I am Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, 
And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, and there was no breath in them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come forth from the, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it declares the Lord. I invite you to pray with me again. Father, your word is a weighty thing. We don't take it lightly. We trust that the very God who made the entire universe spoke these words into existence. You moved upon the author of Ezekiel, told him to write these words down. Your same spirit exists and is moving and working in this very moment, in this very room, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would use these words to glorify your Son, Jesus. And to help us to admire you. Because it's what we're made for. Please mature the body of Christ. Continue to bring armies of God from dead bones. In the name of Christ, we pray. Have your way in us. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord leads us to valleys. What's the point? There's a question in the air. That's the three points we're going to consider in the first three verses of this passage. We have three more times together, so I'm not in a rush. The Lord leads us to valleys. What's the point? There's a question in the air. First, the Lord leads us to valleys. Look at what Ezekiel says. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. I wonder if you hear the overwhelming controlling force of events here. He brought me out. It was the hand of the Lord. This is a metaphor throughout Scripture of God's power, of God's working. I believe in and I love a sovereign God, don't you? Maybe not. God is sovereign. The Bible doesn't doubt that. The Bible clearly teaches that. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken, truly 
I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. God also says, in the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Ouch. And the Lord leads Ezekiel to the valley. Yes, it's a vision. It's to impress upon Ezekiel a message. But what is that message? It's so loaded. The valley that Israel was in was exile. Now, I could take you to a bunch of passages, but then you'd fall asleep on me. So I prepared a video that I didn't make for you about the deportation. It's taken from the Bible series, but it's been edited a little bit. So it's going to be a little bit choppy, but it's about five minutes long. And I hope the audio works. (laughs) So let's take a look at it uh, together. The Lord leads us to the valley. And what we just saw is recounted in places like 2 Kings 25, Jeremiah 52. But it's interesting in leading up to this event, notice what we read in 2 Kings 24, preceding preceding Zedekiah, King Jehoiakim. It says, In the days Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, And Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of Chaldeans, bands of Arameans, bands of Moabites, bands of Ammonites. So he sent them against Judah to destroy it. According to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through his servants, the prophets, Surely at the command of the Lord it came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done and also for the innocent blood which he shed for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not forgive. In the day of adversity, consider God has made it. He is sovereign. Ezekiel, deported to Babylon, living in a place that's current day Iraq, says the Lord brought him out to a valley. He brought him out to this valley season of Israel. He brought him out to this valley of dry bones and the Lord set him down. I wonder if you have ever been brought out and set down in a valley. You know, I often pray quite selfishly whenever I admit that I, you know, have the humility that I admit my need for growth. I pray things like, Lord, please humble me without the humiliation. (laughs) Please work on me in any other way than suffering. Just being honest, Lord. Nobody likes humiliation. Nobody likes suffering. It is not mean or evil of the Lord to bring you out here though, right? You know what Christ did? You know what that same Lord did to Christ? Matthew 4.1 tells us unapologetically that the Lord was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thank you, Spirit, right? But the Lord leads us to valleys and He often sets us down. 
Now don't get angry here. It's not like this was a surprise for the Israelites. It shouldn't have been. It's like that exchange in the clip where Jeremiah is having his own prophecies read to him and he says, you know, it's too late. See, the Israelites were not without warnings from hundreds of years of prophecy, right? Not to mention the law. If you disobey, you shall be cursed. Whenever we're in the valleys of our own making, we're to blame if we've ignored the warnings. The Spirit checks. But just how I warn, train, and disciple my son only for him to ignore, ignore, and persist in rebellion, sometimes a valley comes, right? For my son, it's usually in the shape of a timeout or a belt. Other times, like Jesus... We're just led in the wilderness to be tempted, and tempted here means tested. And if the Lord is testing us, I believe it means it's because the Lord believes we can endure by His power. We take note of what Ezekiel was led out and set down in the valley for, and we pick it up in the middle of verse 1. He says, The Lord set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. A valley of dry bones. What's the point? Uh, Get get in there in in the emotion of Ezekiel. A prophet of Yahweh, a prophet of the one true God, a prophet of Yahweh. Yahweh who once told His people, I will take you for My people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you out to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. This is the same Yahweh who said to Joshua, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Yahweh, whom David wrote about in Psalm 37, 25, David says, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. And now Ezekiel, away from the promised land, away from a smoldering, burning temple, no doubt ruins of Yahweh's house, now Ezekiel, a prophet, of this God brought out to a valley of dry bones. What's the point? The point is this. Here's your hope. Here's the plan. It's useless. It's hopeless. Helpless, incapable, it's nothing. You can't do anything in a valley filled with bones. You can't plant anything. You can't arouse anyone to do anything. You can't build anything. And this is Israel's lot. And this is our lot. Are you in a valley of dry bones right now? I don't know. Sometimes I like to fool myself and think that I can make it, make something out of it. I can give it a go. But the Bible makes it abundantly clear. Science makes it abundantly clear. Natural observation makes it abundantly clear. If not, I dare you to go find a cemetery tomorrow, observe it for a while, see if anything happens. Okay? (laughs) Without a doubt, 
a fact, dry, dead, bones, useless, brittle, breakable. And this is our lot. Paul would write, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. You know what dead means? It's the same as dry bones. It can't do anything. And Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, that there is an incapability on the part of man to do anything else, to think anything else, to be anything else. All we can do is walk the way the world wants us to walk and live. And this isn't a good live, it's a bad live. Because it's living in the lusts of our flesh. Do you have those sins? You know how you only feel alive sometimes and engaging in those sins and then you feel like garbage before and after? But hey, you gotta live a little. And indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, it's like a valley of dry bones, hopeless and helpless. Okay, that's it. Go to bed. No, just kidding. And Paul says, this is by nature. Innate, foundational, it's an inside-out problem. Children of wrath. Ezekiel is let out. The war is done. Israel is conquered. To think anything could happen is like an ant thinking one day it will take over my house. And if you've ever battled sin, and I mean battle sin, sometimes you get to a place to know this. It's done. It's over. You're defeated. You've tried and you tried. Valley of dry bones. What good is this? Out here in the middle of the literally God-forsaken wilderness, far from home, far from the land God promised, far from where He said He would never fail nor forsake me, far from where David, a man after Yahweh's heart, wrote that he'd never see God's people forsaken or begging for bread. Well, we're so hungry that we ate some of each other back in Israel. What good is this valley of dry bones? Indeed, a question hangs in the air, a question that you and I don't like asking because we're afraid it may not be answered in a way we want it answered. Nevertheless, that pesky God, He's the one who brings it up. In verse 3, And He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, Thou knowest, You know. You hear the pain in that question? And the pain in the answer? Those dry bones, that's Israel, a wasteland, a graveyard. Can these bones live? That question hurts. Israel, they're dead, gone, forgotten, dried up, buried. What are you talking about, God? Can these bones live? Sometimes the question needs to be asked because it's a probing for faith. What's your valley? What's your dry bones? Long forgotten, buried, God-given, God-sourced dreams that life stole away from you? 
righteousness, power that believed you can overcome those sins that the enemy stole away from you? Hopes for a family member to maybe come to Christ or even a journey you were once taking with the Lord. But like Ezekiel, you know that he's the one who led you to the valley to begin with and he set you down and you just can't forgive that. But he led you out to test you because he knows that test can be passed. And it's not because you have the power, the abilities, the know-how and wherewithal. No, the truth is, is out in the valley, I might as well lay down because I'm just as dusty and dry and rattly. I'm part of the bone collection out in the valley, I am. But can these bones live? There's a question in the air. Dare you even go there? Dare you even begin to pry open the complications, the valley that maybe you've tried so hard to forget? You used to have a GPS to take a detour around it, but now you just know the detour by heart, so you don't need to go near the valley. But that pesky God, He's led you out here and He's set you down and He's asked the question. And Ezekiel says, Oh, Lord God, Thou knowest. You know, at first I hear a slight color of patronizing. Well, God knows if they can or not. But I know that's not how Ezekiel's talking. What is it is what we started with. God's sovereign. He led Israel to the deportation. He led Ezekiel to the valley because he's sovereign. And if he can move Israel into the abyss, he could rescue them again. If he can slay his people to rest, he can revive them again. We'll read and uncover that more this weekend, but tonight know this, God led you here for a question. Can these bones live? Is there something dead in you, in your life, in your heart? Dreams that have died, sins that have deadened your soul. You don't even know what you do know is that you're in a valley and everything's dead. (laughs) Well, Kevin, after a sermon like that, who wouldn't feel this way? (laughs) Can these bones live? I want to close with this story. It was actually in that amazing sabbatical I had where I was having such a great time. So much so I lied about it when I got back to church. October is my birthday month. And in October of 2021, my favorite forever band from childhood, that's still around, so it lets you know how old they are, Newsboys, they released a a new CD, probably their 48th release, I don't know. But I remember the moment well. I had one of my sons in the back of my car. I was headed down the hill from, from Woodland to Kamii, the nearest town. I remember this moment well because I don't cry too often. But in the middle of my valley with dry bones all around, just the cruddy season of life I've been having, the newsboys sang a song where the chorus says, Even in the valley, I still believe you're good. And I think that's a start, if that's where you're at tonight. That's something that you and I need to know, that even in the valley, the valleys that the Lord led us out to, the valleys that He takes us to and sets us down, He's doing it from a heart that's good, and He's doing it for our good. Amen? Let's pray. 
Father, sometimes if I'm just speaking for myself, I have those valleys of dry bones that just collects garbage and starts to smell and stings, and I've made a good, good job of ignoring it really well. I just put a mask on. I don't look at it. I drive around it. But for some reason, you want what's best for our lives, and you say that's rotting inside of you, and that's something that needs to be dealt with. I pray that people, that men here this weekend, would sense the question you're asking them, because that question could be different for each of us. And I pray that you would give us the righteousness and integrity to take out the garbage. Father, that we would trust you, that you are a good God and that you want to bring life back into dead bones, that you want to raise the dead in us, that you want to purify us, make us holy like you are. But Father, as the saying goes, sometimes you're a gentleman. You're not going to force us, coerce us. You don't yank righteousness out of us. But you say, I'm willing. Can these bones live? You truly do know, God. So I pray that we would have the maturity, the courage, the integrity to tackle that this weekend, not for ourselves, but for the others around us that you're calling us to serve. We love you, Jesus. And we ask and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.